0: Welcome to the Just Ask Mom podcast, where mothers share their experiences of raising children with mental illness. Just Ask Mom is a Mothers on the Frontline production. Today we will speak with Anna, the mother of a son with early-onset schizophrenia.
1: West and um, oh gosh I went to college for um, computer information systems got my degree uh, worked for the railroad for a number of years um, in information systems and uh, married to a farmer so it's quite a diverse life yeah yeah that's a little bit about me very cool (laughs) always wanted to be a mom Um, growing up you know I always imagined myself with five kids, you know, and um, when I got married to my husband, I mean, I just really imagined our life as a typical farm family, you know, lots of kids and dogs and, you know, running around outside and um, life didn't happen that way. one son um and he was actually adopted from Russia um and he uh he was 14 months old and um at the time we we uh we always expect when you adopt a child from an orphanage situation like that that there's going to be some catch up there's going to be some things that you need to do to play catch up and um you know Matthew always stayed behind though you know he yeah. never was able to catch up and and working through that, as he got older, more and more issues came out and, and um, come to find out when he was uh, 13, he was officially diagnosed with early onset schizophrenia, um, had symptoms starting at the age of eight. And that was that was a very hard thing to uh, to accept as a parent, right. um, and especially when it's your only, I mean, it's always hard, but when it's your only child and you've gone through so much to get this child and, um, I went through a a pretty major grieving process, you know? Um, so the thing that I want other parents to know, um, when you're dealing with a child with special needs and that has such a serious illness, um, it's okay It's okay to grieve. It's okay to grieve for that child that you had in your heart, that you expected, that you always pictured that you would raise, you know, um, that it's a loss and, and, and you shouldn't feel guilty about grieving for that child, but then you have to move past that and you have to get to a place where you accept that child for who they are. And, um, it's easy to say and hard to do. But once you get to that place where you have truly accepted that child for who they are and for their abilities, um, although they may be different than what you expected, you, you'll find that things are easier. You'll find that, that they, um, uh, it, it's not as hard to, to accept where they're at and, and enjoy them for who they are and and every day becomes easier this is especially a lesson you have to learn in this
0: particular situation but what you're saying is true for any parent
1: sure absolutely for any parent, any child i mean because you can have a child that is that is neurotypical right you know and i'm using air quotes you know um but they're not they they don't have the same likes as you do and they don't right, have the same, right. you know, interests as you do. And you guys are polar opposites and you yeah. still have to accept that child for who they are. And right. that you may butt heads and that. And, and, but you have to realize they're, they're their own individual. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think like for, for my husband, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, he's a farmer. Right. He's a typical Midwestern farmer and grew up in a, very sheltered environment, you know, didn't never really had any exposure to the big city and diversity and, and things like that. And it was, I mean, he had in his mind, his expectations of his child would be that they would help him farm and right. they would grow up learning that and doing that. And that wasn't something that, that he could do that Matthew could do. Right. And, um, that was really hard for him to accept. And as long as he wasn't accepting that, and as long, as long as he was fighting that internally, he was miserable. Right. Once he was able to accept that, then he could move on with his life and he could be happy, you know, yeah. and enjoy his son again. Yeah. And so it's not just for the child. It's for us. Absolutely. You know, Um and I'm not saying that everything's roses once you accept that, sure. once you learn, you know, sure. some people accept that easier than others. Yeah. And it's not all, you know, peachy keen after that. You still have to fight for your child. You still have right. to, I mean... I got involved with mental health advocacy here in our state because um because there is so much lacking, and there is so much that needs to be done yet um it's not fair. we yeah. should not have to become mama bears you yeah. know at the school and fight so hard for what is rightfully deserving of them right and um and it is still an issue, but it it doesn't become all consuming I guess right. once you can can accept that and and I think it it frees you up a little bit to um. to, to stop obsessing about what they can't do and and focus on what they can and then right. that helps you when forming that IEP and when talking to the doctors and trying to find a medication that works and you know um, you're, you're just you're not as miserable doing all of Absolutely. that I guess <laughs>
0: talked about and I was wondering if you'd share here Mm -hmm. is and this fits into what you're talking about with expectations is how your parenting changes because what your child needs is not the traditional
1: right method of parenting absolutely again you know my husband you know is a farmer and he grew up you know and, and and myself too I grew up in the midwest and you know was raised when I was young on a farm and then we lived in a small town and we were both very much raised by you know, um, pull, your up by, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you know, I mean, w- very common sense parenting, and you know, um, spanking was not unheard of. You know, right, I mean, right. that, yeah. that was just how we were raised, and um, and that's the example we had as parents. And so when he was young, and things would happen, I mean, we we didn't. We didn't spank. That wasn't really what we wanted to do. Um, But we, I mean, we would use sticker charts. We would use time out. We would use, you know, all the things that you can think of, you know, grounding and, you know, taking rewards and punishments. And, you know, we tried everything and nothing ever seemed to work. And it was so very frustrating. And you would get so angry and 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 frustrated and then you find yourself raising your voice and you're right. yelling and you're you know and and it's a constant and nothing ever worked and you're just pulling your hair out and um once we finally accepted his diagnosis and 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 learned you know um we we simply can't expect the same things right we right. cannot put as many demands on them yeah. and um and and we and that's part of that acceptance process that I was right. talking about as a parent, accepting your child for who they are and, and what they can do. And um, once you realize that, then naturally your expectations change. And, mm-hmm. and so you, your parenting style does change.
0: Thank you for that. I think yes. That's right. So we ask everyone this um we know it changes from moment to moment um at this exact moment do you feel like you're swimming treading water
1: sinking where do you feel like you're at i feel like we're swimming wonderful i feel like we are it just makes me want to cry i think it's not, <laughs> because we have come so far i mean we came from a place where you know um i would say 5 years ago i was not sure i was ever going to be able to have my son in my house again you know he yeah. was Um, he was violent. He was, you know, um, and we had to place him in a PMIC and he, uh, he was, we just didn't know where to go. We had no idea where to turn for help and we could not control him any longer. And, um, I just couldn't imagine him ever coming back home, him ever graduating from high school, him ever having a life that was, that was meaningful to him, you know, um, let alone something that we could call successful. And, and, uh, today he's getting ready to graduate from high school. He's been back home with us for, um, almost five years. And, um, he's getting ready to graduate high school. He's going to prom. He's, this is so wonderful. (laughs) He is just, he is excelling in so many ways. And, um, I could, I could have never imagined that. So, I mean, we're, we're loving life right now. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of hard work went into that. A but... lot of hard work went into that. It it wasn't, I mean, and it was a combination of the doctors and finding the right medication, you know, getting the right diagnosis, first of all. Right. and then finding the right medications and then finding the right school. You know, we ended up, um, finding this awesome therapeutic school that he went to, um, for about three years. And, they were just phenomenal. Um, you know, so finding the right school environment and changing our parenting style and, you know, having the right supports at home. We had the, he had a, a waiver from the state that allowed some in-home assistance, you know, with therapy and things like that. And um, all of those things created this beautiful movement towards putting him on the path to success. Right. And, and now um, he's a, he's a contributing member of society. Absolutely. He's working. He has, he has, he has a job lined up for after he graduates. He, you know, is, is planning on having his own apartment. He's, you know, I have every reason to believe that he will be successful. Right. And, um, you know, five years ago, I couldn't have imagined that. Right. So, so all those services made all the everything difference. Everything made all the difference. It was not just one thing that I can point to right. without one thing without the others would not have have made much of an impact, I don't believe. Right. I mean, we had to change um we had to change every aspect of his life to help set him up for success and help him learn about his illness right. and, and and help him accept his illness because that's a whole process too. Right. And and he knows, I mean I have probably the biggest reason that I feel like he will be successful is because he knows he has an illness. He accepts he has an illness. He knows the medication helps him. And he is absolutely adamant about taking that medication because he knows it helps him. Right. So many times with schizophrenia, you people start to believe that, you know, the medication is making them sick or it's, and not saying that that might not happen in the future. Sure. You know, this is just where we're at today. But he, um, he knows it helps him and he, he wants to take it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and so that. If that continues, you know, that is what will help him be successful and and keep him, help keep him well.
0: I I just want to sort of have you bring out one other piece, because I think this is so important for parents that are in the middle of the journey, like where you were five years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned he was eight when he started having symptoms, but he got mm-hmm. his diagnosis of early onset schizophrenia at 14. At 13. Oh, at 13. Mm-hmm. So there were many
1: years of changing diagnoses yep. and not knowing. Yep. And for, for five years, you know, it went from, you know, PDD and OS to, you know, well, first it started out at age six. It was ADHD, And then at age eight, it was Tourette syndrome and PDD-NOS, which is pervasive development disorder. Um, And he was having hallucinations at that time. And the psychiatrist told us then that, you know, some people that are diagnosed with PDD-NOS go on to, um, to officially be diagnosed with schizophrenia. So it it was thrown out at that time, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, he was way too young to have that diagnosis. And it wasn't something that, um, you know it was just gonna be time would tell right. and um, and then it went on we you know it went on to add we added um, generalized anxiety disorder and OCD and then um, bipolar mood disorder and all of these diagnoses brought on another medication Right. and every you know, medication specifically to treat the mood disorder or to treat the anxiety or to treat the ADHD, you know, they all did different things to a system as well, you know, and and you just never knew what was doing what. And so it was really hard to suss out what, um, was it him or was it the medication? Right. And so it was a constant changing of medication and trying to find a combination that worked. And this whole time he's getting worse, right? He's getting sicker. And you know no one was really addressing the psychosis which was really the elephant in the room right and i mean i mean we he was so bad by the time he went into residential that he um he was completely in, uh, incontinent both urinary and bowel he was um he he could not get through he couldn't get through an hour without a meltdown of some sort and getting right. angry he he was he wasn't sleeping at night at all i mean he would be up all night um i mean there were times when we well there was before he went into residential we were um taking turns sleeping in his room so we had, had a trundle bed in his room we would shut his door push the trundle bed up against the door and sleep in his room with him and now he wouldn't sleep but at least we knew he was safe when we could sleep right you know right um because before that, he was up all night and he was doing things that were not appropriate, um, right. taking apart like, fixed light sockets and taking, you know. And could be dangerous and t- for him. Absolutely. <laughs> and painting the walls. The whole house. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, taking apart his closet doors. And at one point, he got a hold of some candles and matches and was playing with those, burn a spot in the floor. You know, luckily right. didn't catch the whole house on fire. Right. But, you know, and then um, he was hiding knives in his room. He was, right. you know, there was a lot of things he was doing that were dangerous and then um, you know, so that was one piece of it, but then he was trying to put his head through windows, he was, you know um, a a lot of self harm and a lot of and there was a lot of hospitalizations in there too for, you know um, and he was having a lot of hallucinations just you know, seeing knives coming out of the walls and Wario was chasing him around the house with a battle axe and you know just a lot of um, a a lot of, you know, the, the first, when we first realized he was having hallucinations, I'll never forget. He was, um, he came up to me, he was eight years old and he came up to me and he was crying and he said, mommy, I don't want to kill myself. And I said, well what do you mean you don't, of course you don't want to kill yourself you know well I don't want to stab myself but they keep telling me to stab myself and yeah. and I'm like well, who you know trying to figure out who's right, you know somebody right. at school bullying him is, right, right you know and and he just said they you know they just keep telling me and there's and this was on a Saturday I think and so I or no, know a Friday kept him home from school um called a psychiatrist long story short um we ended up going in to the hospital to be evaluated they didn't because he was so young right. and he didn't really have a plan and he didn't want to die so they they didn't admit him but that was our first realization then in the er when they were talking to him they're asking him does he ever see odd things and he's talking about these people he sees hanging from nooses and you know oh. very gory images yeah, yeah. and i was just completely shocked um and Not long after that, we were in the grocery store one day, and he just looked at me with this forlorn look on his face, and he said, Mommy, he said, why why does God make me see all these people that aren't here? Which was really interesting that he said that aren't here. He he knew knew they they weren't real. He knew they weren't real. And I said, what do you mean? And I said, do you see them right now? And we're in the grocery store in an aisle with no other customers in that aisle. And I said, do you see them right now? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, how many people do you see? And he just sighed real heavily, and he said, too many to count. It freaked me out in the yeah, beginning. and of And, of course, you know, we... I wasn't ready to accept the diagnosis of schizophrenia. Sure. Even at age 13, even after five years of going through all those changes and, you know, all those med changes and all those different diagnoses, and, you know, I kept thinking... There, it's not possible for one child to have so many things wrong right, with them. Right. It's not possible for one child to have all these different diagnoses. And, you know, and then they added schizophrenia on top of this. And, you know, um, I I just, I couldn't believe that. There right. had to have been another explanation. Right. You know, so we went to doctors all over. We went to Mayo Clinic. We went, you know, right. we saw a lot of specialists and and, you know thinking well maybe it's something genetic maybe it's something you know maybe there's another explanation for right, it that right. you know another diagnosis that encompasses all of these and um to no avail I mean yeah. that nothing else was ever found it was you know and I I really think I believe and I don't know if the doctors would agree but I believe that Schizophrenia is the main diagnosis. Schizophrenia right. is his diagnosis. It's just that when he's when you're six and you have developing schizophrenia, and 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 well, I should say schizophrenia and mood disorder right. combined. Right. He definitely has a mood disorder, but when you have these things and you're six, it looks like ADHD. Right, and then when you're eight, you know uh, because the the movements and things go along with the schizophrenia. Right, it still is technically clinically t- Tourette syndrome. But, um, but that's pretty but generally that's, defined, right? Like right. for over a year, you have a vocal and a motor tip. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, but you know, but if you look at people with schizophrenia, a lot of them do have movement disorders. Of course. And so, yeah. and so does he fit the diagnosis and all of these, does he fit the diagnosis? Absolutely. If you look at it from a clinical standpoint, right. but you have to look at the bigger picture and say, guess what? He has schizophrenia and because he has schizophrenia, it causes him to have, um, a lot of anxiety. I mean, schizophrenia is the granddaddy of, of anxiety disorders, right, you know, so of course right. it's going to look like he has generalized anxiety disorder and OCD, right, you know, right. and, and he's going to be inattentive. So it's going to look like he has ADHD because he can't focus on anything because all he has all this internal stimulation, you know, right. and, and he, he's going to have movement, movement disorders because that's just part of what goes along with it. And mm. so does he have all of these diagnoses? No. He has schizophrenia, yeah. you know. Um, but that was a real long journey to get
0: to Absolutely. It. And I guess what, I'm really glad that you, you're sharing this because there's so many moms who might be hearing this who are in the middle of it. Yes. And it just seems like they're never going to get to a point where things are okay. And yes. to hear that you can. You can.
1: Absolutely. You can. so gives so much hope. Yes. Yeah. You, you will get there. And, and it won't seem like it at the time. You'll, you know, it's it will some days it will absolutely tear you apart you know um but keep pushing keep persevering keep being an advocate for your child um be that mama bear that you need to be and um you'll get there yeah you know um i told my husband we're getting ready to have this graduation party for my son and um I said, you know, I'm pulling out all the stops for this graduation party. I said, because this is just as much my retirement party as it is his graduation party, because I've made a complete career out of his education and and getting him to where he is. And now I can kind of sit back and say Yeah, you know, not not that my job's completely over, but I <laughs> right. can I can relax a little bit and yeah. let him kind of begin his life. Yeah. And 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 I feel confident that he can do that right now. Yeah.
0: Okay, this is about as heavy as life can get, right? So we ask everyone the last same question. What's your most laughable moment? And I'm sure there have been many, <laughs> but what comes to mind is something that makes you smile through all this.
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know if I have that one laughable moment. I, I know there's a lot of moments I look back on and think, God, why the heck did I do that? You know, um, and and kind of beat myself myself up over and I think back and you know, it's it's kind of funny now, but it's not not really, but I don't know, maybe you guys can relate. So this one time, Matthew was five, I wanna say. And looking back now I know he had some developing psychosis. But of course at the time I had no clue. You know, and I'm I'm being that that five year olds have active imagination.
0: So it's not easy to
1: And and like I said, we did not like to spank Matthew, you know, I mean, this was probably the, I I was at my wits end. Nothing was worth working as far as, um, as far as, you know, punishments and rewards and timeouts. And I mean, I put him in timeout and he would just laugh at me, you know? And, um, and so I decided I, I just had enough and we went to the mall. I had to go in real quick. I mean, he didn't handle the stores very well at all at that time, but I had to go in there and pick up one item for a baby shower or something real quick. And I told him, I said, if you can just bear with me and we're going to run in here, I'm going to get one thing and we're going to go back out and then we'll go to McDonald's, you know, his favorite place to eat and we'll get some chicken nuggets. And you know, I said, just, just please, you know, I'm begging with him. I'm bartering bartering (laughs) with him at the time, you know? And so, of course, we go in the mall, and he starts in, and, you know, he's just being um, an obstinate little kid, you know, and and hollering about, you know, I want to go, I want to leave. And and looking back, I think he was fearful. Yeah, I think he was afraid. I see. And I think he was probably seeing things and and hearing things that I didn't know anything about. Right. And um, he just kept hollering at the top of his lungs how, you know, he wanted to leave and he wanted to go. And, you know, I'm like, come on, just, you know. And I, and I told him, I said, Matthew, if you don't stop right now, then I'm going to spank you, you know? And, and he just looked at me like, what? <laughs> and I said, you know, I, I just, I have to do this. And so and I'm telling myself, I, you know, it's come to this, I have to do this, yeah, you yeah. know? He, and so he kept on, he kept on. I said, okay, every time that you holler out, that's one more spanking, you know? Yeah. So. Never did make it to the store. I ended up turning around and going back to the car. Um, and no McDonald's. We're going home. And we lived about 30 minutes from this mall. So all the way home, he's laughing at me and, and giving me this shit-eating grin, you know. Yeah. And he's, well, your spankings don't hurt, you know, and you can't hurt me and... You know, and just being this little shit. Yeah. And so, and I, and so I kept adding one to it. Every time he would back talk me, I would add one to it. By the time I got home, I was up to like 36, you know, and I had to follow through. I had to spank him 36 times and it was, it was horrible, (laughs) but but I did it and, um, it didn't help. You know, He. Laughed, and it was that manic, crazy laugh, you know, the whole time through it. And looking back now, I know that he was dealing with psychosis. Yeah. I had no clue what psychosis was. I had no clue what mental illness was at that time. Right. And, you know, and that's another thing. Through this whole process, I have learned so much about mental illness. And I used to be one of those that I looked at homeless people and thought, you know, go out and get a job. You know, if, if I can... If I can pull myself up by my bootstraps, then you can too, you know? Right, right. And I didn't understand what mental, what severe mental illness was. Right. I really didn't. And and I didn't have an a lot of compassion for those people. And I really I feel like that's part of why God put Matt in my life because he wanted me to learn that lesson. He wanted me to understand and have more compassion. And um you know, and not that that moment at the mall was funny, but, but looking back, you know, I mean, we have to kind of laugh at ourselves and yeah. at the judgment calls we make um, and not beat ourselves up about it too much yeah, because yeah. we're going to make those mistakes. We don't know. Absolutely. It's a learning process Absolutely. And, and we can't, um, we have to continue learning.
0: Absolutely. So Well, thank you so much. I really You're appreciate welcome. this. I know many people will benefit from hearing your story. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Just Ask Mom, recorded and copyrighted in March 2017 by Mothers on the Frontline. Today's podcast host was Tammy Knighton. The music is Old English, written, performed, and recorded by Flame Emoji. For more podcasts and this and other series relating to children's mental health, go to mothersonthefrontline.com.